Welcome to Tax Wrap, the podcast of Tax and Super Australia. Each fortnight, we present news and insights to tax and SMSF practitioners. If you've got any questions, comments or even suggestions, get in touch at podcast at taxandsuperaustralia.com.au. Hello listeners, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is episode 209 of the Tax Wrap podcast. I'm your host, Steve Burnham, and... Um, This episode, I thought we'd talk a little bit about something that's just been passed uh, by the Senate. Uh, It's the cash payment limit of $10,000. This has been around for a little while, since um, late late last year, I think. Um, And we've talked about it on the the, uh, Tax Wrap podcast briefly before. Uh, But the development that the Senate committee has recommended passage of the bill is a new development. And I thought um, it's worth revisiting uh, this this bill. It's called the Currency brackets restrictions on the use of cash bill 2019 so it's been um, it's uh, the Senate committee is recommending that the bill be passed however they um, do also recommend that the deferred to defer the start date which was going to be 1st of January this year so that's come and gone um, and uh, other refinements uh, the bill proposes to make it a criminal offense for entities to make or accept cash payments of ten thousand dollars or more well the committee recommended the bill be passed, subject to changing the start date, but it also had some other points to make about what should happen uh, with the bill. Basically, the committee recommended the government review the penalty provisions in the bill uh, and introduce offences for entities that make or accept cash payments of $10,000 or more on a a regular basis, actually. Um, Now, the main purpose of this is to prevent entities from participating in a black economy, of course, by making large cash payments. But the uh, Senate committee recommended that the government review uh, whether the bill is the most effective response to the problem of the black economy, of course. Um, and the distinction, as I just mentioned, between one-off or repeated offences in the penalty provisions, as the Senate committee thinks that um, the latter, the repeated offences, are more likely to, um, to be attributed to money laundering and, and tax evasion. The committee also asked that the government respond to concerns raised on the availability of electronic banking services, you know, ATM and internet banking, in remote and regional Australia, especially during natural disasters, and that that's, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it also recommended that an assessment be done on the impact of the bill on migrant communities, especially in relation to funerals. Now, I wondered about that. Um, in relation to funerals, it's, just, it's a funny thing. Apparently, the... Um, in the <coughs> submissions made about the bill, the legislation, um, the uh, Australian Funeral Directors Association had called for an exemption for their industry, noting that many elderly Australians and migrant communities uh, may have avoided the banks putting the money aside to save for a significant event like death. I don't know whether they're, they're putting it under the mattress, but and apparently the Dentists Association also expressed similar concerns. So that's something to look at. The, uh, getting back to what the Senate committee recommended that changes be made, uh, also they, um, apart from extending the time when it starts, that uh, the personal and private transactions payments exemption be provided for directly in the bill rather than be uh, referred to in the... Um, it was apparently not in the, in, the, in the body of the bill, so I'm not sure why that would, would be, be important, but maybe someone can tell me. And also that the government come up with a timely communication strategy to address concerns regarding the um, the unsubstantiated claims regarding the bill. So they just want people, the, the thing to be 
uh, not marketed, but conveyed uh, appropriately. Um, the Treasury actually had come up with a, a little list of myths and facts because there was a lot of uh, contentious uh, allegations or, you know, um, ideas circulated during the passage of uh, the legislation through both Houses of Parliament. Just briefly, just wanted to go over the myths and the facts just in case clients raise these concerns. Uh, myth one, that the cash cannot be used for everyday transactions, and the fact is that cash can be used to pay for a transaction up to the limit. Uh, that family members cannot give cash gifts is another myth. The fact being that the cash limit does not affect cash gifts to family members. Another myth was that private individuals cannot buy or sell second-hand goods using cash. No, says Treasury, the cash limit does not affect sale of second-hand goods between, between private individuals. Um, also a myth that people are required to store money in a bank. And the fact, says Treasury, is you'll still be able to store $10,000 or more cash outside of a bank, so um, buy a bigger mattress. Um, another myth, people are no longer able to deposit or withdraw cash from their bank account. No, says Treasury, you can still deposit and withdraw up to the limit, $10,000. Um, another myth, the government can amend the bill for cash limit without scrutiny by the Senate, and that's not the case, they say. Now, you may wonder, why $10,000? The thought is, and um, I discussed this with um, our friend Bill Mavropoulos from VT Advisory um, when he was in here once, that uh, Y10,000, and uh, Bill said, look, he thinks that um, what they're trying to do is align it with Austrac's ability in terms of cross-border payments uh, coming in and out. So, you know, when it's above $10,000, and um, a lot of accountants will be aware of this, it's automatically reported to Austrac if it's cross-border. So to some extent, I think they're aligning it with those cross-border measures. And um, and I guess also this would shift a lot of the onus onto banks as well. I mean, the bank that is allowing you to withdraw more than 10000 is going to have to answer some questions. And I suppose banks will actually be wanting to toe the line, especially in these days after the Hain report. So no more Aldi bags full of cash. Uh, <laughs> um, the rules of the cash limit broadly... Um, are that payments related to personal or private transactions other than transactions involving real property uh, are subject to the limit. Uh, payments must be reported by an entity under anti-money laundering and counter-terrorism legislation, provided broadly the entity with a reporting obligation complies or is um, reasonably expected to comply with their obligations under that legislation. Payments made or accepted by a public official in the course of their duties where it is necessary for the payment to be made in cash for the performance of those duties and payments made or accepted by Australian government agencies where the payment is foreign currency produced for a foreign government. Uh, that is also not, in the, you know, not covered by these, these rules. Also not covered, payments that only equal or exceed the cash payment limit because the payment is part of a transaction involved collecting, holding or delivering cash and this is undertaken in the course of an enterprise of collecting and delivering cash. So that is providing cash in transit services. Um, also, payments that only equal exceed the cash payment limit because payment is or includes an amount in digital currency. And payments that occur in exceptional circumstances where no alternative method could reasonably be used. So that that's, um, they're all very sensible. It's interesting though, that so it's been approved to be passed by the Senate with a, with a few changes and uh, they all seem to be sensible suggestions as well. Um, <clears throat> the Treasurer, Joss Frydenberg, has given the Senate Committee an undertaking that the law will not be applied retrospectively, which is good. Um, 
Otherwise, it, well, it will apply to payments made to businesses with an ABN for goods and services, and uh, well, it will affect major purchases like cars or building renovations. Um, the government said the measure will not apply to individual-to-individual transactions, such as private sales where the seller does not have an ABN, or cash payments to financial institutions. The inquiry, the Senate inquiry noted concerns raised by the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman and others uh, regarding the availability of electronic banking services, as I mentioned, in remote um, areas. And um, the Senate committee recommends that these concerns be addressed before the law passes. So it's still a bit of an unknown about when this will come in, but um, the government has undertaken to, to, to look at these concerns uh, concerns actually were also raised because of inflation. I mean, the $10,000 limit uh, would encroach on Australians uh, dropping over time so that it's been put that within, say, 10 years, that could be $2,000 worth uh, lower. But time will tell, I guess. I was interested in this whole cash thing. Of course, the motivation is to fight the cash economy. Cash... I mean, I've, I have observed myself that um, cash is becoming less, less of a thing in society. It comes at a time, apparently, when cash, the use of cash by ordinary taxpayers is on the, on the decline. Now, I looked at the Reserve Bank of Australia report, which was from about four years ago, which found that only around 37% of Australians make payment, payments in cash, which was half the RBA's similar survey from about um, four years before that, where, where it found that 70% of cash payments, uh, payments were made in cash. It's a trend that seems to be continuing, and research undertaken in September uh, 2019 by the comparison site finder.com.au um, found that 23% of Australians don't carry any cash at all, um, and another 21% only carry between $1 and $10, so that's interesting. The finder research found that the average amount in someone's wallet or purse was fifty-nine forty, but this varied according to someone's age and gender. It seemed that men carried more than women, men with an average of $74 and women an average of $44.90. By age, the research showed that people under 24 had an average of $37 in their pocket, those aged between 24 and 38, $68, between 39 and 58, $56, and anyone older had an average of $70 in their pocket. So it's all interesting, but yeah, so the restrictions on cash law recommended to be passed, but the Senate has a few concerns, and the government has said that it will look at those concerns, but it's something to keep in mind that might be coming around the corner, and um, you could perhaps warn your clients all about that. Please stay tuned. Well, I'm back. Just had a little break, and I wanted to come back and actually wind up by talking about, as everyone else is talking about, the coronavirus and tax. I wouldn't have thought the two had anything to do with each other, but apparently they might. Um, this is from um, a communication to its members from the Corporate Tax Association, which is a great body, has a very interesting weekly newsletter that goes out. And the Corporate Tax Association raises the points that some of its members have raised with it. Now that the... Um, the Prime Minister has formally activated the emergency response plan for the coronavirus and with the ASX wiping out uh, a lot of gains uh, in different uh, reports each day. Certainly um, at a macro level, the Corporate Tax Association posits that tax revenues will no doubt be affected and budgetary pressure will mount. 
but there are also some practical micro-tax effects that um, practitioners may want to keep an eye on. It depends on who your client base is, but on a, one taxpayer noted that travel bans imposed uh, have meant that directors of some of their foreign subsidiaries can't fly out of the country to attend board meetings, and there's a risk this may, may flip tax residency to Australia, where they attend via video or teleconference. Now, others have mentioned that they have senior folk uh, overseas who are still working remotely, and that there may be a, a foreign permanent establishment risk. Apparently the ATO is aware of the, that the imposition of travel bans can affect the ability for taxpayers to respond to information requests, particularly as many companies are banning staff from returning to work who may have been or in contact with people who have been travelled travelling to some of the regions affected by the coronavirus. Um, <clears throat> it might also affect the ability to lodge documents or returns if lodgement cannot be actioned remotely. Now the Corporate Tax Association has been in touch with the ATO in relation to these sort of matters and the ATO seems keen to help and wants to know about other cases. Um, so the ATO has asked for perhaps examples of similar types of issues where travel bans etc may, may affect reporting of tax or lodging documents etc. So uh, any listeners out there who have these issues, please uh, apparently if you contact the ATO and uh, let them know what the problem is, they may try to do something about it. Um, so please, um, yeah, if you uh, become aware of any issues that, uh, because of the coronavirus, uh, travel bans, etc., that may come up, please let the ATO know and um, let us know, and we'll report back to uh, all of our members. Okay, that's it for me. Thanks very much for listening. Please tune in again next time.